Well, I'm excited to preach the word today. It's really such an honor to do that, and a, a, a really a, a heavy burden too. And I have that uh, that burden on my heart today. Uh, a sense of urgency as I look around the world that we live in. Um, just this this heaviness and this burden. Um, not to be a doomsday guy at all. I'm not that guy. But I believe God has put put a word um, in my heart for you today that is urgent. And as we gather today, we are now just a, a little over two weeks away from our presidential election. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's coming up. And um, that election will mark the end of a brutal and, let's be honest, embarrassing campaign season. I mean, there have been times looking at the TV where I'm just like, I'm doing this, you know, like, man, this is brutal. And while I'm very invested in the outcome of this election, I'm just excited that it's going to be over, right? Like, ugh, right? So, in fact, a friend of mine was telling me that his daughter was given a homework assignment to watch the presidential debate and bring, you know, her thoughts back to school. And unfortunately, he was unable to let her do that just because of the vulgarity and the corruption and the backstabbing that was on display with seemingly no consequences, right? And what used to be an honorable thing, an honorable process, has become something that we have to shield our kids from now. And that's a bummer, right? I mean, you look around our world today, um, not just in our presidential election, but you look at our country, you look at the world that we live in, and it feels as though we live in like a tinderbox that you could explode at any second, right? Just There's so many things shaking, and we're just left to wonder, What's, what's going to be that final spark that explodes, that, that causes us to fall into chaos? Is it going to be another riot? Is it going to be an election gone wrong? Is it going to be a terrorist attack or a natural disaster? God forbid all of them together. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, a Jew, a, a Muslim, an atheist, or whatever. You just look at the world we live in, and it's shaky. Right? It is unstable. And you know what? People everywhere around the world, are looking for something, anything that is solid, that is unshakable. Because of the world that we live in, and they all live in, is shaky. That's why I love that scripture in Hebrews that says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us worship with reverence and with awe. And that is the good news today is that we have the answer to this problem, and his name is Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, somebody say amen. His name is Jesus. In fact, he is the only solution. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only answer. And this is what's so cool about God, is that he has created the church, the church that you are a part of, our church and around the world, to show the world the answer to their problems. The question that we have to ask ourselves today is, when the world is looking for the answer, which they are, will they find Jesus in us, or will they just find more of the world? So obviously, the answer is, of course, I mean, we want to be the, the people that God has created us to be. We want to be, we have the one answer. There's only one. We have it. We want the world to get it. But how? How can we do that? And that's what we're going to talk about today as we continue our series in ex called Exiles in the book of Daniel chapter 6. You can open your Bibles there. This is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Just by a show of hands, how many people have ever heard of Daniel and the lion's den story? Okay, so like everybody. Um, 
It's interesting. Because there are thousands of stories in the Bible, but for some reason this one always rises to the top. My kids at home have a bunch of children's Bibles, and they're basically like really small condensed versions of the Bible. You take the most famous stories and just put them in picture form, right? And that's your kid's Bible. And I've noticed that out of the thousands of stories to choose from in the Bible, Daniel and the lion's den always makes the cut for the children's Bible. Why? Because it's a famous story. It's famous because God does this incredible miracle of saving Daniel's life in the face of certain death by lions. I mean, what a horrible, brutal way to go. Nobody wants to be eaten alive. It's just terrible. It's such a scary story. It's a radical story. It's so over the top that it has become unforgettable. All over the world, people know this story. And we love it. We love to tell these kind of stories of God's power and his intervention, right, miraculously. But you know what? This is only the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. There's so much more to this story that can inspire us to be the kind of people that God can use to bring Jesus to this broken world. The world is in trouble, church, and it is shaking. It's trembling. And Daniel is going to show us how to be the answer that the world is looking for. Are you ready? Are you ready to hear about it? Say, I'm ready. Okay. Let's dive in. A quick summary of this story in Daniel chapter 6. is There's a guy named Darius. He's the king of Babylon, this giant kingdom. And it's so big that he realizes, I can't do all of this myself. There's too many people to take care of in my kingdom, so I'm going to delegate some authority to some people. So I'm going to put three guys in charge, three administrators, and one of them is Daniel. And Daniel, so he's like one of the top three guys in the whole kingdom. He's kind of a man. And... Um, then they put more people under them, and they delegate a couple hundred people under them, and just delegate authority. So we pick it up in verse 3, and it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel's about to be promoted from the top three guys to the top guy under the king. But guess what happens? People got jealous. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But check it out. They were unable to do so. Just like in our world, in our political system, it's like, oh, that guy wants to run for president. Let's put some people on that and try to find some dirt on him. Let's go in his past. Let's take him down. Right? We see it every, every year. But I love this. All those guys looking for something to bring him down, find some dirt on him, and it says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Now let's just stop right there and think about how great it would be to have someone like that running for president. That's like the opposite of what we have. I'm going to stop there and say, this is not a political message. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. No way am I going to do that. I'm going to use that as an example. Now step out of the presidential example and look into your own life. Look, they said they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. For those of you who are business owners and managers, wouldn't it be great to have employees who were like Daniel? For those of you who are in the military and you have... Uh, soldiers under your command. How awesome would it be to have people like Daniel under your command? Or kids. How great would it be to have parents and teachers like Daniel? Or, check this out, 
Any of you have some hail damage on your roof from this summer? Am I the only one? Seriously, like, we all did it right here. How awesome would it be to have insurance companies and contractors who were trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent? That would be nice. I'm not saying that there aren't any. Matter of fact, I have a contractor part of our church. He's, he's awesome. He seems to be like the opposite of what we're seeing here. I'm just saying it's so rare. And it is so needed. Amen? Amen. It is just so needed. People like Daniel are greatly needed in our world. So back to the story. So Daniel's about to become the number one guy. These guys get jealous. They try to dig up some dirt on him to take him down. You know, run some negative campaign ads so to speak. They can't find anything, so they're like, well, you know, the, the correct response would have been like, wow, maybe this guy should be in charge. But instead, they said, well, we better make up something for him to go down. So they go to the king and manipulate the king to create a law. Check it out in verse 7. They said, you know, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, governors, we've all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. And the king, I don't know what happened, but he, for some reason, didn't think it through. Maybe he was like, well, that sounds logical. I mean, I would like my people to be loyal to me. Yeah, let's make that a law that sounds good. So he puts it into place. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned of this law, that the decree had been published, what did he do? He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened to Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, breaking the law, just as he had done before. So then... Apparently these guys didn't have anything better to do. They're like, let's roll over to Daniel's house. Then they went to, as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Sure enough, they went straight to the king and snitched on Daniel, which was their plan all along. They didn't really care about people being loyal to King Darius. They only cared about getting more power for themselves. And this was a drag because King Darius, as you know, loved Daniel. He was about to make him in charge. But he could not go against his own word. And he was forced to put Daniel in the lion's den, where there would be certain death, and he would lose his greatest leader. Corruption. It's scary how familiar this sounds to our current culture, right? Power grabbing, backstabbing, manipulation for personal gain, corruption. Where is the integrity? Where is the honor? and the character that are supposed to be the foundation of influential people. It seems to be missing, except in Daniel. Now, the story goes on to show us that Daniel was, in fact, put in the lion's den. Your children's Bible was correct. And King Darius was distraught about it. He was, this is a drag. And so he, as he's going to the lion's den, he's like, Daniel, I'm so sorry. My hands have been tied. There's nothing I can do. But in verse 16, he says, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. I don't know this God, but it sounds, I mean, you're going to need a miracle, dude. I hope he can do it. So Daniel spent the night with the lion's den. But you know what? The Bible says very little about what actually happened. It says that, the king was distraught. He couldn't sleep all night. And woke, well, got up the next morning and ran over to the lion's den. 
probably just to confirm what he knew was going to happen, that he would find a dead man and, and just a pile of bones. And he, he yells into the blind sinners, Daniel, are you there? And this is the one verse that tells us what happened in verse 22. Daniel says, my God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. Praise God, they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Hallelujah. It's a miracle. I don't know how that happens. It's a supernatural thing. It's hard to understand when God is doing miracles like that. But you know what? That's all it says. That's it. He just spent the night there and he shut the mouth of the lions. God saved Daniel in such a spectacular way from certain death. And now the story gets told to generation after generation for thousands and thousands of years. God's the hero, right? Kind of a drag for Daniel there for a minute. But wow, look at what God did. And our attention goes to that. Man, look what God did. That's so awesome. And don't get me wrong, it is awesome that God did such a great miracle. And I want to see God do great miracles in my life like that too. I, I told you, how cool would that be? Of course I want to see that. But I believe that we miss the point if we stop there. There's so much more. What, what we should learn from this story is that it was Daniel's faithfulness in the little things that set him up for God's miracle. That's in your notes. It was God, Daniel's faithfulness in the little things behind closed doors when nobody was watching, when nobody was saying, oh, look how spiritual you are. You're such an awesome guy. Well, way, to, way to show up on, in, for church today. That's so awesome. You're always here every week. No, it was his faithfulness in the behind the doors, closed, nobody looking things that set him up for God's miracle. And we all want to have a Daniel story to share. Let me ask you, are we willing to be like Daniel? As we're all aware, our world needs Daniels. And we need them. Men and women who are faithful to God when nobody's looking and we also see here that God does use people like Daniel uh, to put him on a platform to do incredible things in a broken world. God's like, yeah, if everything's shaking, let me show you how it's done. Let me give some glory to myself by using people like Daniel. I believe that God wants to use the people in our church, you and me, regular people, to be put on a platform for his glory. Now, you may not believe that. But I hope to convince you today that God wants to use you for his glory. I also believe that each one of us deep down inside, we truly do want to have a lion's den miracle in our own lives. But let me ask you this question. How are you living when nobody's looking? You're the only one who knows. You and God. How are you living when nobody's looking? Are you the kind of person that God can count on to go to the lion's den when it's time? Can God count on you to be the kind of person off of the platform who then can go to the lion's den? If you're honest, you may be saying, well, I want to be. Well, that seems like that's the right answer. That's where Pastor Matt's leading me. Of course, I want to be. But how do I know for sure? How do I know I'm doing the right things? Right? Am I, am I using my time wisely? That's a great question. In order to answer that question, first we have to look at the condition of our hearts. We have to take a self-assessment and look inside. The best way to find out 
the condition of your heart is to be honest. Come on, say, be honest. Okay, thou shalt not lie. Okay, if, if we all just followed that, one of the Ten Commandments, our world would be a different place. Let's be honest. I know that seems so obvious, but here in America, we suffer from what I call American Idol Syndrome, which just confuses everything. Okay, American Idol Syndrome is this. It's called going on national TV because you think you're better than you are. Right? Maybe it's because mommy didn't have the heart to tell you that you can't sing, and you're like, I'm going. I'm going to be on TV because mommy said I'm a great singer. Or maybe you just believe in your heart that you're a great singer, so I'm going on national TV because you think you're better than you are. And American Idol just made a ton of money because all these people for years and years and years thought they were better than they were, and we all tuned in to watch them embarrass, embarrass themselves, right? And then it goes viral, and we watch it like millions of times over and over again. That's American Idol Syndrome. Now, I've certainly been guilty of this in my own life. I went to music school in college. You have to audition to be accepted into the school, so I was, I was accepted. And once you get there, you have to audition for all of the bands. And I was a jazz major, so there's all these jazz bands and jazz combos, and there's the best and the mediocre and the worst bands. So I auditioned for the jazz combos. There were 10 bands, and I made the worst one. The worst one. The guys in the band were not even music majors. They were like business and English majors. They were just like, I like jam, bro. I was like, seriously? I'm not kidding. I, I felt betrayed. I thought it wasn't fair. I thought that I deserved to be in the top band. Why? Because my, my heart was in the right place. And I said that to my instructor. You know what he said? He said, Matt, I know your heart's in the right place, but man, you are terrible at guitar. <laughs> I was like, how could you say that? Oh my, my heart, you know? Like, how could you say that? But thank God he said that to me. Right? I needed to hear that. It's like, go practice. Okay, on a more serious note, uh, has anybody ever gotten in a, in a heated discussion with your spouse before? Am I the only one? Has anybody ever fought your wife or your husband? Okay, good. One of those rare occasions when I was arguing with my wife, um, that's not true, I said some things to my wife that were very hurtful to her. And she called me on it. She said, how could you say that to me? You just destroyed me with your words. And I found myself saying, Okay, yes, I did say that, but, but you know that's not my heart. I love you, right? I mean, I, I know I said it, but I didn't mean it. That's not my heart. I don't know if you've ever said that before. And my wife, being an incredible woman of God who's steeped in the Word, said, Babe, when you tell me it's not your heart, you know what Jesus says? He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, you wouldn't have said it if it wasn't in your heart in the first place. So don't tell me it's not your heart. She didn't buy my excuse, right? When I really looked into my heart, she was right. Once you say something really bad or you have a really bad action, you can't say, well, that wasn't my heart, because those two things don't exist together. They're opposites. If it wasn't in your heart in the first place, then you wouldn't have said it. You wouldn't have done it. 
And that was hard for me to hear because I realized that I was deceiving myself. I thought that I was better than I really was. And so when we take an evaluation of our hearts, we have to be honest about what's really in there. Let's not deceive ourselves. When I ask you the question, can God count on you to be the kind of person off of the platform who's able to go to the lion's den, the general belief of most Americans is that, well, yeah, I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm a pretty good, I'm not perfect, but um, I, think, I think I'm doing pretty good. And to be honest, I feel like you're kind of judging me by asking that question, right? And defenses go up. And I totally understand. I struggle with the exact same thing, just like you. If somebody were to ask me that question, I probably would be like, hey, why are you judging me, man? I'm doing my best, right? My heart's in the right place. But let's make sure we're not suffering from American Idol Syndrome, thinking that we're better than we are. Let's take an assessment of our hearts by considering these scriptures. I don't want you to just listen to my, my opinion. I want to filter, check it out. If you were to put your heart through a filter of these scriptures, you have a pretty good idea of the condition of your heart. Here we go. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 8, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Everyone say pure in heart. Yeah. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? See God. <coughs> Daniel got to see God do an incredible miracle because his heart was pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Check out what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, 3. He says, For by the grace given me, I say to you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I love his tone there. You know, he's not being mean. He's saying, I'm, I'm trying to love you. Out of grace, I'm speaking some truth to you. I'm not trying to be a jerk. Don't think too highly of yourself, okay? Just think of yourself with sober judgment. And I love that too. He's not saying, he's not, not being like, hey, you know, Let's be honest, you guys all suck, right? Like, you're just terrible people. Let's just be honest, you're not worthy of God's forgiveness. You're never going to amount to anything. No, he's saying, don't think too highly of yourself. Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith God has given you. Man, you are a child of the Most High God. Own it. And then lastly, in Jeremiah 17, 9, um, this, again, this scripture just wrecked me. Man, and I've just been going through this. I feel like God's been birthing this message in me for a couple months. Um, God says, just prepare. Prepare your heart to hear this hard truth, okay? God says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Did you know that your heart is deceitful of all else? That's why when I was telling my wife, I know it really hurt you really bad, but my heart didn't. It's my heart. My heart was lying to me. It was, of course, in there because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I was deceived. It was just deceiving me. Like, that's not really who you are, Matt. You know what? So many of us want the platform glory without the heart preparation beforehand. Why? 
Because it's hard, man. It's hard. Of course, we want the fame without the work. Of course, we want to be in the top jazz combo without the hours of time in the practice room where nobody's there saying, you're doing great, Matt. Oh, I love that lick. Man, you nailed that chord. Way to go. No, there's nobody in the practice room in college. There's no, not even AC. You're just in there sweating it out like, ah, oh, this metronome is driving me crazy. Of course, check this out. We want our spouse to forgive us without having to change ourselves. Of course, we want God's blessing without the relationship work. Relationships are messy. They take work and time. And you have to listen and talk and do things. <laughs> we just want the blessings. <laughs> Somebody's a witness today. <laughs> You and I both know it never works like that. It's just never, there's no such thing of getting all this good stuff without the preparation and without the work. Daniel had the privilege of going to the lion's den. That's right, I said it was a privilege to go to the lion's den and being highlighted in every telling of the Bible for eternity because he was pure in heart. He was faithful with the less glamorous parts of having a relationship with God. He didn't just put on the good Christian face when everyone was looking on Sunday. He prayed three times a day, alone, in his room, with the door closed. Not only that, but when he learned that continuing to do so would cost his life, did he stop? No. He was faithful no matter the cost. Daniel's heart was pure. He easily could have made up excuses like we do all the time for not praying by saying stuff like, well, my heart's in the right place. He could have said, you know, it's only 30 days. The law says it's only 30 days. I mean, what's the big deal? God knows my heart. I don't think God wants me to die just so I can pray, right? I'm pretty sure God understands. He understands the heart. No. Daniel was willing to pay the price of his very life to be faithful to God. Which leads us to our next evaluation. Does following God cost you anything? Does following God cost you anything? Take a good look at your life right now. Oh, big time. That's right. Just look at your life and see how much it has cost you to be a Christ follower. Now you may be wondering... Okay, it seems like we're talking about doing a lot of work and like trying to earn things. And I thought that God like loved me no matter what, and I could come as I am, and I thought there was grace. And you know what? You're right. That's one of the greatest things about being a Christ follower. Because we are saved by grace through faith, not by works that any man should boast. And I've said many times when I'm when I'm leading worship or communion that you know there's no amount of good work that you can do to earn God's forgiveness. He gives it freely, without cost. And that's awesome. That's why we praise God. That's why Christianity is different than any other religion. It is the only way. It is the answer to the shaking world. But when it comes to moving beyond forgiveness in my heart, forgiveness of my sins, moving beyond that to following Jesus, Jesus is clear that it will cost you everything. 
You see the difference? Your forgiveness is free. Costs you nothing. Following Jesus costs you everything. Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus is an all-in kind of guy. There's no middle ground when it comes to following him. And Daniel saw great miracles in his life because he was willing to lose it for God. Are you? Now we skip down to the end of chapter 6. And it tells us that after King Darius discovered that God saved Daniel from the lions, he then brings his wrath down upon those who manipulated him to make this silly law. Verse 24, it says, At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, check it out, along with their wives and children. And before they even reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed their bones. Now that is some pretty sweet revenge. How many of you know Daniel was like, in your face, in your face, trying to take me down. But not only does, does he punish those who are bad, check out what the king says. Like, that's great. But check this out. The king in verse 26 says, I, the king of Babylon, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of who? Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And in my own kingdom, I see people going around trying to find things that will bring them fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy, and finding them to be empty and useless. But I have found the one answer, the thing that cannot be shaken, and it's Daniel's God. So everybody fear and reverence him. Whoa, that's crazy. This is a classic example of sowing and reaping. The men who were jealous of Daniel sowed evil seeds. And as a result, they reaped. They ended up getting themselves and their families killed. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. That's what happened to these guys. They sowed evil seeds. They lost their lives. On the other hand, Daniel sowed seeds of righteousness, faithfulness, purity. And as a result, he ended up converting the entire Babylonian kingdom. Do you see that? What a huge contrast. What a huge contrast. Look what God did. We will reap what we sow. If you want to see the power of God released in your life, then you need to sow the seeds of righteousness, faithfulness, and purity. I need you to hear that again. So, listen. If you want to see the power of God released in your life, then you need to sow. You need to sow the seeds of righteousness, faithfulness, and purity. Not just on Sunday, but every day. Especially when no one's looking. Listen to me. How you live in private will determine if God can count on you to be placed on a platform for His glory. God will not put you on a platform if there are cracks and weaknesses in you because it will crush you. Like those people, their bones were crushed. God doesn't want that for you. If you want a lion's den experience, you need to be like Daniel. 
I want to be like Daniel. Now, some of you may be thinking today, um, it's way too late for me. Um, I've sinned too greatly. I mean, I'm nowhere close to a life like Daniel's. So, this was just a huge waste of time. I don't even know why I came to church today. And I want to tell you that you're wrong. There's absolutely hope for you today. You and I are no different than Daniel. Daniel's just a regular dude who is faithful in the little things. There is hope for you today that you can turn from your sin and turn towards God. The Bible says, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His grace is sufficient for you. He wants to bring this answer to a shaking world. We have the unshakable kingdom of God. And he set it up so that you bring it to everybody. So that I, people just like you and me. You know what? You may be the next Daniel and Lyosin that people will talk about for generations upon generations. Do you realize that? It may be you. Hundred years from now, people might be saying, John Gray, John Gray, man, look what God did through his life. It was incredible. Thousand years from now, people may be saying, Eva Porter, man, she followed God when nobody was looking, when it was hard, when it was ugly, when it cost her everything. Thousand years from now, look what God did through that lady, Eva Porter. Somebody who never wanted the spotlight. Somebody who loved obscurity. You know what? God loves to use people like that who don't want the attention. So get ready. Get ready. I want to call you to repentance today. We need to purify our hearts. Let us not deceive ourselves any longer about the condition of our hearts, but let's be pure. I want to see God do a great miracle in my life. How about you?